be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Gospel reading for today from John chapter 1, in which we hear a very similar account from that which was given to us last week at the calling of Andrew and Peter into being the disciples of the Lord to follow after him. We spoke very highly of Andrew last week as we saw that he was so excited with the good news that he had found the Messiah that he sought out the one who was closest to him, his brother Peter, and said, come and see, we have found the Messiah. And Peter did so. Willingly, he went. And there the Lord gave to him the name Cephas. Today, we have a slightly different account. Philip, who no doubt was familiar with Andrew and Peter, probably had heard of this Jesus being the Messiah. For when the Lord seeks him out and says, come and follow me, Philip has no complaints, no compunctions about it. He drops what he is doing and he goes and he follows the Lord. And also, it says that he had a mission. His mission was to go and find a friend of his, Nathaniel, whom he knew. And upon finding his friend, he gives these words, very important words. For last week you heard Andrew say, we have found the Messiah. This week you hear something similar, but perhaps an expanded commentary on just who was standing there before Philip. Because the Messiah means the anointed one that God had sent. But here, Philip expands it and says, We have found the one whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. In other words, we have found the one whom everything that has been written, that is preached to us in the synagogues, that is taught to us in the temple, that is come to dwell upon our hearts, which is written upon our hands and upon our foreheads, everything that has been given to us by God is standing before us in this man, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He expands on it. He teaches. For Nathanael was a man of God, and as we are going to come to see how important that is. He had longed for and hoped to see the coming of the day when the Lord would send the one to save. But could it come out of Nazareth? That's Nathaniel's skepticism. That is his unwillingness to receive some poor and lowly coming. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now perhaps as it has been in our own lives, we meet those who are skeptics, who might wish to say terrible things about Jesus or say these sarcastic remarks And what do we want to do immediately? Maybe you get a little angry inside and you say, well, you can't talk about my Jesus like that. But Jesus doesn't need you to defend his honor. His honor can't be removed by these pithy statements, these sarcastic remarks. What did Philip respond with? He said, you asked the question. You want to know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So come and see. I'll let Jesus do the rest. Come and see. Let him show you. 
Let him teach you. Let him open your heart. Come and see. You be the judge. Did Jesus fulfill what Nathaniel's question was asking? He did. Showed him many great and wonderful things, which the apostle St. John says, the works which Jesus did cannot be contained in all the books in all the world. My, what Philip and Nathaniel, Andrew and Peter saw over those years walking with Jesus. But the thing that Nathaniel was wrestling with under the fig tree, we do not know. But there was something important happening there. Something that Philip perhaps had knowledge about because he knew where to go and find Nathaniel. He had an intimate knowledge of Nathaniel's life, what was going on. And he knew just what to say to Nathaniel to get him to come out and to follow him to see Jesus. It wasn't hard. He didn't have some great saying. All he did was confess the scriptures, and that was enough. You may say to me, Pastor, isn't it your job to do evangelism? And you may be thinking to yourself, tonight, I might be lacking on my responsibilities. The pews look half empty, maybe more. But it's not just my job, is it? Certainly, I love to share the gospel. I do it at gas stations while I'm out hunting. I do it on every uh, place I have occasion to do it. If I have the opportunity, there I am. I'll, I'll love to share Jesus with you. I don't care if it's embarrassing or if it's awkward. So be it. But I don't know your friends. I don't know your family members all that well. I don't even have that intimate knowledge that you do. God hasn't given me some special foresight to be able to tell you what's happening in your life or in your friends' and family's lives or whatever it may be. But nonetheless, I'll gladly share the gospel with you. I preach to you. God has given to me the scriptures. It's a window into the soul, into the human condition, into the heart, so that it permeates even the things which you may think I would never know. But it's because there is nothing new under the sun. You see, you may say to me, Pastor, I don't feel confident that I know what to say to my friends or my family. I don't know how to do it. Perhaps you'll even come to me boldly and say, Pastor, we need a class on evangelism. Teach us how to do this. But what is it that you need to know? Have you been familiar with a small catechism? Do you know the language of the scriptures? Do you sing the hymns every week? Do you study the word of God? You know, just as Philip knows, what it is you need to say. No argument needed. You won't win somebody by an argument. You let Jesus do the rest. You invite. Come and see. And when they come and they see, it will be one of those weeks 
where the word of God is read, because that's what we do each and every week. You don't read a list of Pastor Deal's opinions on Sunday morning. You read the scriptures. You hear them in your own ears, so that when the person that you bring to church is here, they get to hear Jesus. They get to hear Moses and the law and the prophets who all bear witness to Jesus. And just like it may be for you in your life, because I know it has come about, where one week you say to yourself, or sometimes people make the comment to me, they say, Pastor, it seems like you were looking into my window this week. But guess what? I wasn't there. I wasn't looking into your window. I was reading the word of God. The word of God covers all counsel of our life. Everything that we need to know, to be comforted with, everything that we need to be taught is there found in the scriptures. So it may seem one week is more personal to you than the next week. But you still come back. And those that you bring may have that exact same feeling. And you did not even know it. That that week that they hear that word of God, it comes to rest in their heart. Where they say, that's exactly what I needed. It sounds like that was my life that he was talking about up there. Because see what happens in this story. When Philip brings Nathanael to Jesus, Jesus says of Nathanael, when he sees him, he says, there indeed is a true Israelite with whom there is no deceit. Now maybe these words have very little significance unless you have familiarized yourself with the Psalms. But it does remind us of a passage in Psalm 32. Psalm 32 starts like this. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. What was Nathaniel doing under that fig tree? What was he wrestling with? That these words which Jesus spoke to him carried such significant weight that they drew forth the most true and honest confession of a man of faith. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel was there wrestling with his sins. He was praying for the Lord's deliverance. I believe that. Because those words which Jesus speaks to him are the words that offer forgiveness. That his prayers were being answered. That the Lord was removing his guilt, taking away from him all that he had confessed. Nathaniel was found at a time when he needed to hear the Lord's words the most. Philip found him and brought him to see Jesus, and Jesus saved Nathanael. Come and see. That's what we cry out. We cry out to the world, and we will see that there are some who will turn their eyes to see Christ lifted up on the cross, 
and their hearts will cleave to him in faith and believe and make that same confession that Nathaniel did. That you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And you are the one that has come to save us. But it's not for us to know who or when those people will make that confession. Or who they will be. As the Lord gives us opportunity, we make the confession to the world. To our friends and to our family. While it might be nice to say to them, come and meet my pastor, he's a really awesome guy, thank you all. It's not about me. You say, come and see Jesus. Because that's who you want them to find here. Pastors will come and go. But the one thing that has to remain steadfast is the truth. And the preaching of that truth so that hearts and minds can find the heavenly peace and rest that Christ desires them to have. It's come and see Jesus. And let the word of God do its work. Because God has promised that the Holy Spirit is the one who works through that word. To change the hearts and the minds of people. To bring them to repentance and to fill their empty and broken hearts with the forgiveness of all of their sins. I leave you with this. It's an example. Isaiah knows it well. As we drive to and from many places, we often see cars broken down on the side of the road. And because the boys know that I fix cars and motorcycles, they ask, hey, Dad, are you going to stop and help that person fix their car? And, of course, I don't. They ask me why not. I say, well, because I'm protecting them in some ways. But they see it as because I am prepared, because I have this knowledge that I have greater opportunity to help than one who does not. The unbelieving world, those lost in error's maze, those stuck in sin's darkness and the clutches of Satan, do not possess the knowledge or the faith to deliver themselves out of it. But as you are prepared, as God prepares you each week, through your devotions, in prayer, as we pray for those who are lost, those who are wandering away from the church, God prepares you so that when you see these people wandering, when you see them groping around in the darkness, when you see them hopeless and afraid, you already have the words to give them. You have been comforted when your sin has terrified you. You have been relieved when God has taken away the burden of condemnation and hell itself. How many of you have been comforted as you have stood by your loved ones as they were dying or after they had died were held up in prayer and in the hope of the resurrection? We cannot act as though we are people who are unprepared. We have been prepared. God has been preparing us our entire lives. Through all our trials, through all our tribulations, through every confession of sin, 
we have been met with the hope and consolation of Christ and the heavenly peace that is beyond our understanding. God has prepared you so that when you see your friends and your family in need, you don't have to ask me, how do I do it? You think back to how God has met you and said, come and follow me. And then you say to your friends and your family, come and see. Come and see Jesus. He's there for you. And in his name we say, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.